Amen. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. I know. Where's Darren? Where's Bill? Uh, my name is Billy. Uh, close to Bill. Uh, and uh, you good? I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's good to be here with you this morning. Both Darren and Bill are out of town, and so they decided to throw me under the bus. And, but it's an honor to be here with you guys this morning, and uh, I'm excited for what's going on. So uh, this morning we're going to be doing things a little different. We're going to be doing testimonies. So um, start thinking of stories that God's been doing in your life now, and we'll kind of get to that in a minute. Uh, but I just want to share a quick story about myself. Um, uh, like I said, my name is Billy. When I was 12 years old, I, was, uh, I met Jesus. I, I decided to uh, give my life to him and the youth group that I found myself in. And then two years later, I went to a youth camp, and they did this thing where they said, uh, if you're feeling called by God, it's probably um, because you're going to go into vocational ministry someday. And so my youth pastor came around me. All these people prayed over me, and, uh, and I felt that I, someday I was going to be a pastor. And so uh, my, my youth pastor at the time said, here's a cool idea. Let's shove 14-year-old Billy up in front of all of his peers. My youth group is 400 people, by the way. Uh, really, uh, it's kind of a small community. So that was like my high school. Uh, and so they shoved me. Uh, he's like, well, let's get you preaching your first sermon at 14. And I was like, uh, okay, I didn't really know what that was or meant. So he gave me a couple books, taught me how to research, wrote out this thing. I don't even remember it anymore. And, uh, and, and so the day came, and I got up in front of everybody. And I think I said something to the effect of, I love Jesus. And then I cried for about 15 minutes in front of all of my friends. And then I think I said amen as they kind of like dragged me off the stage. Um, and so that was my first sermon. Uh, the second, first service was my second sermon. Uh, went a little bit better. I cried a little bit. Um, so you guys are my third attempt at doing this. So uh, I'm going to need your, uh, your help, your support, your uh, woohoos, and all those fun things this morning. So uh, it's, I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you for uh, laughing at my stupid jokes. And uh, so uh, if you've been with us this summer... Um, you will know that last week was the end of uh, the Transformational Practices series that we were going through. We were talking about what, is it, what does it mean to kind of work out at the spiritual gym? What, do, what does it mean to be a disciple? And so uh, Bill and Darren kind of walked us through um, some of those practices and what that actually looks like. So we talked about prayer as relationship and as partnership, uh, how to pray through some of the difficult seasons in our lives. We talked about um, silence and solitude and worship and celebration generosity and fasting and hospitality and all those things and kind of every sermon ended with this challenge to take take this home with you try this this week and if you were in a community group you probably did some of the challenges in your community group and what we were uh, uh, amazed by and, and loved was hearing all the stories that were coming out of that so we wanted to make space this morning to maybe share some of those stories about what God's been doing in your life and in the community and so that's kind of what we're setting aside today to do that Starting next week, though, I want to just point out, we're, um, we've been to church for coming up on three years here in Cohiba, and we've, we've kind of figured out the language to wrap around uh, who we are, why we're here, why do we meet in a nightclub, and why do we love this city so darn much. And so starting next week, we're jumping into a four-week series that's going to kind of articulate that, explain that, kind of for the first time put words around why we do what we do as the garden. And these four weeks are going to be extremely formula- formative and pivotal for our community. So I just want to say... Uh, if, if you're debating on coming to church for the next four weeks, come. It's, it's going to be worth your while. So, and, and over the next four weeks, we're going to be um, making a big push. We're starting a bunch of new community groups, pushing people into those community groups, whether you like it or not. We're going to push you into one. So um, but that's going to be good. I think, I think why we set aside this, uh, this kind of a Sunday is because often if you're in a community group, you, you hear these stories naturally. You do life. We say that community groups is the heartbeat of our church and what it means to be the church. And so stories are naturally exchanged, but we're recognizing that the garden is growing 
And some of my favorite Sundays have been these Sundays where we just pause and listen to what the Spirit has been doing in the larger community. So that's what we got going on um, for us today. So I just want to briefly talk about what a testimony is, what a testimony, more importantly, isn't. And then I just want to invite you guys. I have a couple of my friends that are going to come up and share. Um, and we're going to do this. Over here we have like a little bar. We have a line. And then Jamie is the gentleman that led us in worship this morning. If you guys wouldn't, if you have a story, just make a line. Talk to Jamie. Uh, he's going to kind of help you discern whether or not this is a testimony or isn't a testimony, whether this is the best time to share what's on your heart or maybe some other time in a community group. But real quick, a testimony is this. It, it's a story that exalts God. It's a story that makes Jesus more important than yourself. It's a story about what God is doing and, and, and not what you are doing. So I know you guys loved show and tell growing up as kids, and, and that was like your favorite part of, of grade school. And like we all long to like go back to those days, and sometimes we take advantage of these moments as a show and tell moment. It's not what we're doing this morning. So if, if the story starts with, look at me, look what I'm doing, look what I'm inviting Jesus into, it's not a time to share that story. The story that we want to be sharing is look at Jesus' ministry, and somehow by his grace, I've been able to be invited to taste and see what he's already doing here in the city. Look what he's doing. So if, if God's the main, main character in the story, if it's exalting Jesus, then please come on up. Let's share some of the stories. Sound good? Any questions? or that? Okay, cool. I'm going to invite uh, Alex on up. Alex is a, a great friend of mine. He was uh, uh, my roommate for the last year. And he works with about 220 to 250 um, kids at a youth facility. And God is moving in some pretty incredible ways there. Take it away, Alex. I missed you, by the way. I miss you, too. How's Yogi doing? <laughs> He's great. He is? It's annoying. That's our dog. His dog, yeah. not mine. We, we used to have a Netflix night together with Lost. He just sheds everywhere and yeah. always, on my I was watching with his wife, Netflix. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Tell us about the students at Sunburst. Okay. Um, well, some of you guys already know me. Um, I'm Alex. And those of you who do not know me, I'm Alex. Um, <laughs> I, was up here to, I was up here about four months ago before I left to uh, South Carolina. And um, I recently came back from South Carolina from some army training to be a chaplain assistant. And uh, since I came back home to, uh, to work and um, to the garden, to Long Beach, with this desire of being a chaplain assistant for the army, um, it didn't turn out how I thought it would be. Um, it's more of a challenge than anything else. People not wanting to listen or not wanting to care about being fed by the spirit. But um, I still have sunbursts. And I work at this youth program with uh, at-risk teens, um, those who have backgrounds of um, abuse, um, al alcohol, drugs, um, foster care, um, broken homes, single-parent homes, just y you name it, and, and it's there. And um, recently, when, while I was gone in South Carolina, our, um, our teaching pastor that we had there he, uh, he left the program because he had an opportunity at, at a church, at, a, at an actual church, and um, so he left. So um, I came back to work, my first day back to work, and we had a staff meeting, and they're like, hey, Alex, guess what, buddy? I was like, what's up, buddy? <laughs> and like, uh, you're going to be teaching church services from now on. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And um, yeah, God changed that. But yeah, um, at first I said no, just because the vulnerability of it, and um, being scared, and only being, only being an actual Christian for about four years now, I felt inadequate. I felt just like, this is going to be bad, all bad. I, I can't do this. 
and then um, and then all of a sudden we have someone at work who who hates the church, um, who hates the faith, and um, he was trying to push for it to stop. Period. So no services, no Bibles, no talking about God, nothing like that at all. And then uh, I myself kind of broke down. Like this is a this is this is wrong. Um, our program is not a Christian program, but you see lives transformed in that program through people, through our, through our instructors and through our kids. So um, I went home and just talked to God. And when, talk, when, when God and I talk, it's pretty vocal. <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty commanding, and I'm pretty stubborn. So... Um, in prayer and everything, I, I just, I thought it was like, okay, we're going to keep the church. And the idea was, we're going to do church services, um, I'll teach it and whatnot, and serve the kids, because it's really important to serve the kids. And this other person who's in charge of, second, second in charge of the program, he wanted it to be a service of Jehovah's Witnesses, um, of, of Mormons, of the Koran, of the Bible, of every religion you could think of all together in one. And he wanted me to teach it. And I was like, uh, no, dude, I can't do that. Um, I'm Christian. Um, this is what I believe. And this is what I can teach. So from that, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting the words now. Uh, from that, we, uh, we build a church just from the ground up. And when I say we, um, I was in prayer and I was talking to God. And, and God said, this isn't just going to be you doing this. There's a community at work that's going to do this with you. And I prayed about it, and I started, I started talking to fellow staff members at work in the, in the military at our program, and I was like, hey, um, God's calling me to do this. I want to invite you in as well. So now we have six staff members who, who are Christian, who have come from different churches, who are now forming a community together, and we meet together, have dinner, um, share meals, and we talk, and we serve each other as well as we, while we're serving the kids. So it's not just me. And it, it's a community with God. Hmm. And um, I can't, I, it's hard to explain what's going on over there, but um, it's, 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 been, it's been crazy. It's been amazing. We, uh, I, got a, I met up with Darren. Darren gave me a cross. So we got a cross from, from the garden, put it up on the stage at our, our little room. We put it up, um, move everything around, make it a little churchy, put candles up on, close the curtains down, make it a little churchy-like. And then invite these kids in. And about we have about 220 kids to 250 kids, and 90% of them show up. And majority of them, majority of them aren't even aren't even Christian. Majority of them didn't even know who God is or was or anything like that. And they just show up, and they sit right there, right in front of me while while I'm teaching, feeling inadequate, feeling feeling like I can't do this, and. God just applies. He just takes over. And uh, two, two weekends ago, we had a service, um, a Sunday service, and God said, you know, clean their feet. Clean their feet, Alex. And I'm like, ugh, I have a feet phobia, God. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, <laughs> and literally, we did a service before these kids, and we had kids who have who, who, been abused, who has been hurt so much in their whole life for them to take off their shoes and their socks and to come sit, stand in front of everyone and sit down and clean each other's feet. Not me, but clean each other's feet. We had kids clean each other's feet mm -hmm. during that service. 
and kids crying and crying and being healed and I was just like oh my word this is real um, yeah it's it all started with, with just the idea that God put in my put in my heart and then we now have a projector screen and then we do we do worship by just by just putting lyrics up there and turning on my iTunes that's how we do worship <laughs> there's, there's no worship team everybody that's how we do worship um, we do prayer by 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 community standing up together and praying for each other. Um, we all stand and hold hands and just worship and worship and worship. And um, I try to be like Darren, in a way, trying to be like Darren, like be so theological and like fill you with so much information with these kids. And most of our kids have ADD and ADHD, and they're just like <laughs> they're just dumbfounded with me and I'm like oh this is not how we're gonna do it and I found out what God just wants want, wants us to do there is um just to love show them that, that God loves them that God has always been with them in their moments in life and um and just just to help the healing process is uh having kids understand kids who've been hurt so bad like understand that God was there with you in that very moment Speak into that a little bit, because you've mentioned before these kids come from everything from molestation to some of them have are on their second kid and they're only 16 years old to uh, drugs and gangs and all this. Speak into what what is God doing in in their lives? Maybe there's like a, one or two instances you can highlight, but what um, what's what's it like watching your kids show up to worship and and then experience radical healing? It's a uh... if you can put words to that. What is It's it gets so real that it's that it's almost impossible to believe when you're standing and facing just looking at it. To to see um, two hundred kids, two hundred kids just stand right there and praying for each other without without me even doing anything really and healing each other through God and trusting each other and trusting God with this. It's, it's, it's like a shock. I, I can't even explain it. It's, you, you, I see them stand up and do worship, and then when, 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 when prayer happens, when the message happens, it just, it just break down. Their, their honesty and, and their vulnerability just, just to let it all go out in the door as soon as they're sitting down in these chairs, just to let it all go. Yeah. Their trust, their commitment, their desire to know who God is. It's something that I've, I'm just shocked by every time we meet on Sundays, Sunday nights, together with the kids. Cool. Thank you, Alex. That was great. I'm going to invite Christian up. Christian's also a good friend of mine, and uh, he works over at the community garden with a lot of you guys. There's a lot of stories that go on at the community garden, but I've asked him to maybe share briefly about what um, one kid in particular, kind of his story and, and what God's doing in his life. So. Yeah, absolutely. So when Billy asked me to talk, the first thing I thought was what most of you guys would think, what should I wear? Uh, so I thought about our leadership, Jamie and Darren. I realized to speak with any kind of authority at the garden, I have to wear skinny jeans. So this is my skinniest pair. Not that skinny, I know. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. Uh, but I want... It's true. I think the Holy Spirit moves through skinny yeah. jeans a little bit. Uh, so anyways, I, I want to start with kind of what uh, the... I'll get to Franco's story, but I want to start with what God was doing, uh, started off doing through me uh, about a year ago. Um, 
I came out to California a few years ago, and I was just kind of the come and see Christian. I just enjoyed coming and getting fed. And um, God kept putting on my heart to work with youth. I'd worked with youth kind of growing up, and I was the master of excuses all the time. I'm too busy. I'm not going to be consistent. Uh, I'm not prepared for this. All kinds of different things, just doubt. And um, kept putting it off and putting it off. And finally, through a series of events, including uh, getting a word spoken over me at the Holy Spirit Conference last year, I said, okay, God, you win. I'm going to go do this. Uh, so that was kind of the first lesson. I dove in, and I started meeting with people who work with youth in the community of Long Beach, seeing what they're doing, what the needs are. And uh, for me, that was the biggest thing, is just if you feel like you want to get involved in a ministry or start doing something or start serving, just do it. I'm a planner. I like to have everything figured out ahead of time. I wanted to figure out my calling before I jumped into working with youth. And I think the biggest thing is just get out there and start doing it. Um, you know, a, the rudder on a boat doesn't work unless you're moving forward. So God can't steer you unless you're getting out there and doing something. So I encourage you just to get involved somehow. Do something. Talk to your neighbors. You know, it just starts with one little act. Um, so, of course, I'm like a, I'm a big doer. I like to accomplish things. So immediately, like, I'm going to save all the kids. And uh, started off with these grand schemes. And um, what did God do to those plans? He shatters them like yeah. all my okay. plans and gives me something better, right? That's always what happens. Because what, me wanting to save all the kids was about me. You know, it wasn't about what he was doing. And so I was really frustrated. I really wanted to connect the garden with foster youth. Um, a church I was involved in up in L.A. does that, and they have a great program. And I really wanted to do that here in Long Beach. And I just kept meeting closed door after closed door. And I was getting really frustrated. Like, God, I want to do this for you. But it was really, I want to do this to make myself feel good. And so it took some time of really thinking and realizing kind of what Bill says and what Darren likes to say is, find out where God's already working. Like, you don't need to figure it out yourself. Just be discerning and be listening and be open to where God's already working and jump in on that, be a part of that. Um, so for me, that came in a, a conversation I was having with my buddy John Rosina at lunch. And I was kind of telling him about this frustration, like, I really want to get involved with these foster kids. And he said, you know, I run the community garden over on 5th Street, and I go over there to open up the garden, and uh, basically the minute I open the door, a bunch of kids run in, and they just want to hang out. And uh, I got to get the gardening done, so I put them to work for slave labor. Uh, but it would be cool if you and some other people could come hang out with the kids. So uh, the first week I went there, I, I, I just showed up, and within like five minutes I knew that's where God wanted me. And um, it was just amazing when I started talking to these kids just how greedy they are for any kind of attention from an adult or any kind of appreciation or for someone to tell them that they're talented and they're loved. And as we start to learn these kids' stories, it was just heartbreaking. You know, some kids, uh, a lot of kids don't have dads. You know, over two-thirds of, of kids in Long Beach of different, different ethnicities don't have or live in a single-parent home. So how are you supposed to have a right relationship? How are you supposed to understand what it means to have God the Father when you don't have an earthly father? Um, and some of these kids sleep on the floor in their houses. You know, they got nine people in like a two-bedroom apartment. Um, so it was just, it's just amazing what God started to reveal through that, just through community. So I think that's part of it. See where God's working. Part of that is praying, just uh, being in the Word, all these spiritual disciplines we've been talking about the last couple weeks, and also just being in community. You know, God's going to reveal his needs and answers to your prayers through community. It's not going to be an angel coming down from the heavens all, all the time. It's having lunch with your friend. Um, so that was a big revelation to me, and uh, 
it's amazing all the people that God has raised up to support support us at the garden. There's a whole crew of amazing people that come and just hang out with these kids. We just hang out, play with them. We do art projects and stuff like that and just let them know that they're loved. And it's been amazing just to see the transformations in these kids' lives. And um, I want to talk a little bit about Franco. Franco's basically been there since the beginning, and he always has come in and helped us to water the plants and... Um, uh, he's best buddies with John Rosine, and so uh, Franco and a couple other of the kids at the garden, I really wanted to bring them to summer camp. Billy was planning a summer camp for the garden youth, uh, for the youth that come to this church, and I really wanted to take these kids along and help transition from us saying, I love you, you're special, to that being a reflection of Christ's love for them. Because that's, that's really what it's all about. We want them to know that God loves them, that God has special plans for them, and no matter what's going on in their lives or they don't feel like they can accomplish anything, God's going to use them in great ways. So I thought that camp would be a great way to get them amongst their peers that are also working on their walks with Christ and just see what would happen. I was kind of curious. So, um, of course, none of them could pay for it. <laughs> um, so I sent out an email to some uh, people in the garden that work with the youth, and within eight hours I had everyone totally covered. So I was just like, oh, thank you, God. You want this to happen. Um, so that's just a testament to your guys' generosity. But we brought them to camp. They had an amazing time. Um, a lot of kids never been away from home. A lot of kids never been on any kind of boat before. So two of them uh, were throwing up in the toilets on the way over. <laughs> it was on Catalina. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a good start. Uh, <laughs> uh, but really they had a great time. And just it was amazing seeing them connecting with the other youth, um, connecting to the Lord in worship. There was tears. There was prayer. It was just an amazing weekend. It was amazing for uh, me to help bond, uh, bond with them and them to bond with the other kids and the other leaders. Uh, so anyways, the last day, uh, this guy, Franco, he, he comes up to me and says, hey, can we, can we talk for a sec? I said, yeah, sure. What's up? He said, I, I want to I convert. So, so I said, well, what, do, what do you mean by you want to convert? <laughs> I said, what do you think you are right now? He's like, well, I'm Catholic. I said, well, you don't have to convert. <laughs> I'm like, we're all Christians. We're all part of God's family. But I tried to ask some questions and kind of got to the root of it. And he said, you know, this weekend I've felt God's presence. I've felt the spirit in me, and I want to live my life for Jesus, basically. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want this to be part of my life. I want this to be who I am. Um, so we talked about it, and we prayed, and um, just had an amazing time. And he gave his life to Christ that day. And it was, it was so great for me to be a part of that. I feel so blessed to be a part of that. And just... I'm lucky to be there, but really, Franco's testimony is a result of 10, 15, 20 people from this community that have impacted his life over at that garden. Yeah. Um, so it's just amazing to see how community came together to impact this kid's life. And uh, he came the third Wednesday right after camp, and I was having a tough day, and he came up and prayed over me. And I, I, the things he said blew me away. I was like, the spirit is in this kid. It was amazing because he said exactly what I needed to hear. Um, so it was just such a blessing to see this kid's path and see where all the other kids are going. Um, so I'm just so blessed to be a part of that. And it was a struggle. You know, it took obedience. It took me failing. It took me giving up my pride. Um, but it's just been a great journey. Cool. Cool. Thank you, Christian. I love Franco's. I love Franco's story because it isn't just Christian story. It isn't just John Rosine. It's kind of a testimony to uh, the, the community that we have here at the Garden and, and finding ways to give that away. Franco's had a special place in a lot of our hearts for a long time. There's been a lot of people praying for that boy specifically for three years now. 
and to see him uh, have that um, experience at camp was amazing. The other, the other two girls that we brought, I think one of them was Jehovah's Witness, and one of them was a self-expressed 12-year-old atheist. I don't know what that means, but, uh, uh, but, but to see all three of them, all three nights, just broken on the floor, on their knees, weeping, crying out to Jesus, not even knowing um, who he was yet. Uh, was just an, an amazing thing to be a part of. So uh, that, that's your that's your guys' story, and thank you for um, being playing a big role in their lives. So um, I know uh, a lot of us aren't wearing skinny jeans today, um, but we would like to make a line over here of the people who also have stories. So if you're not wearing skinny jeans, it's okay. Um, but please, uh, we want to hear your guys' stories and what God is doing in the community. So I think Tyler's on deck. Let's 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 do this. Uh, there's two. There's a couple of rules I forgot to mention in first service. Uh, with the microphone, people have been doing this, like talking down here, and like you can't hear. So we'll put the microphone nice and close, uh, and then let's keep them to like maybe two to three minutes. Now, those guys had like time to rehearse and all that fun stuff. So uh, let's let's do two to three minutes. What let's snapshot most importantly what's God doing, um, uh, whether it's in in you or in the, some of the kids you're hanging out with. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I was a little long the first time. Uh, Basically, There's redemption uh, this time. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, basically, I'm, I'm a high school teacher. I teach uh, high school math, and I'm also the head baseball coach at my school, and I, I teach over at Jordan High School in Watts, um, which is, like, literally, it's one of the worst schools in the country. Um, so I teach there, and basically, God gave me this job in a sense. I mean, literally, it was the first interview I uh, interviewed for, I mean, this first job I interviewed for, and I just, a couple years before that, I observed there, so I, uh, I just, like, I felt my heart was there. It was, like, at ease. It was peace there. So I was, like, I, I mean, I got hired on the spot, and I, I took it, and that was a very uh, a crazy decision at the time, and yet it was uh, scary because, or it, it turned out being really tough. This is one of the toughest jobs and toughest last years of my life. Um, Basically, yeah. So anyways, I, I went in there with the, the, the thought of just like, this is a challenge and, and I want to save these kids. And, you know, they're all, they live under the poverty level line of 20, uh, you know, 20,000 less than that. Uh, they, that's how much money they make are in that in neighborhood. It's uh, surrounded by four uh, projects. But uh, anyways, God, God brought me there. And, and through that, uh, why it was so tough is because I went in there with that hero mentality and Obviously, you know, like Christian said, God just totally like tore that down, um, and it was really tough. And I felt alone for like the whole year, uh, where God was just—I I tried to do everything on my own strength, and that—that that was the—that was the really tough thing there. Um, and really, I felt alone for the whole year. I even like—I had a friend that I got hired there, and she, um, she ba- like I told her I was like, I can't work here anymore. Like halfway through the year, I was like, I can't do this. I want to quit the profession. I, this is the toughest job uh, with these kids. I mean, half the kids don't care. Like, they're very apathetic, so they, don't, they won't even do, like, two homework problems. Literally, no joke. And their parents won't help them at all. And you're just like, what do I do? How do I impact these kids? And I also teach math, which is, you know, a really tough subject. And more so, it's like I don't get to be who I am in that classroom. Uh, so it, it's just really tough. Uh, so, but she told me, she's like, no, God has you here for a reason. And I told her flat out, I was like, absolutely not. Like, no way. I'm not staying here. Uh, this is the worst school ever. There's a reason why it is. There's a reason why LUSD is the worst <laughs> district in the nation. Uh, I'll still stand by that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so God, had, God, me, doing God had me there for a reason. Well, 
he's basically he took that point and and since then he's like just changed my heart I mean obviously I, I got the head coaching job he gave that as a gift um, which I love coaching and this is the toughest thing is because I'm really competitive and we literally went 0-18 last year didn't win one game I have kids that literally have never played baseball before and they're you know starting high school and stuff like that I have to teach them the basics literally teach them how to throw and catch uh, which is just insanely tough but I've seen God's generosity uh, literally when I started to give up when I started to just be like I can't do this I'm leaving it was when God started to show up and he showed up some of it through um, what did he do he he, he he well yeah he first off uh, after the season I wanted to take them to a Dodger game and I was just gonna pay for it all myself you know because half these kids literally half my team has not ever been to a baseball game and luckily I talked to my friend he's not even a Christian but he's a bookie and he gave me donated <laughs> sorry <laughs> he is though <laughs> that's, his, that's his profession and he gave me 22 tickets like, I want to donate 22 tickets to you so we took him to the Dodger game it was such a fun night uh, you know Friday night fireworks all that stuff and uh, that was great and then you know, and then I had another friend. I play a lot of dodgeball, and so, really, I do. And he uh, <laughs> had a friend who's not a Christian either. Donated a bus because I, I just reached out. I was like, I'm, I can't afford this, but I need a bus. These kids, they don't have parents. Don't, they don't support them. They don't drive them anywhere. These kids don't have licenses. They think they can get their license at 18, and it's like I've been telling them it's 16. Who's told you 18? Uh, it's been 16 for 20 years, yet they think it's 18. It's amazing. Uh, so literally I got, I mean, God just totally, it was really when I gave up that God started coming through and really what he's been doing now. And last year I was so busy. I was teaching three different classes. I was getting my master's and all this stuff. And it was just like, I was burnt out and I couldn't really do what I wanted to do there. But this year I'm, um, ways you can pray is what I want to do this year is I want to start a Christian group. And it's really tough, like, uh, just because you have a lot of African-Americans that are Christian and then you have a lot of Latinos that are all Catholic and so it's like I don't want to like be secluded to like oh it's Christian you know or something like that so I'm trying to figure out how to like you know figure to not keep them divided because they always divide themselves you know they don't really want to relate with each other and you know, they want to stick to their own groups so that's kind of what I'm doing and uh, the, the neatest thing is just being able to see like the transformation of my baseball guys because that's where I get to be me kind of although I still have to do a lot of discipline and stuff like that but um, that's where I've seen my relationship with the kids grown insanely, and God's really been huge in that. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get a win this year. Uh, <laughs> one win. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, I wanted to say this. Like, I know it's not easy, like, when you hear people come up here and talk, and you're just like, I mean, the last two stories and this story has been about kids, and I know you might be feeling out there like, I don't relate with kids. What the heck am I supposed to do? But I hope you just like are encouraged to, no matter where you are, whether it's in your work or you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be with kids because some of you might hate kids and that's okay. But you can, wherever you are, whether you're in your work, you can, you can use that. You can, you know, you can ask God, God, how can I play a role in your part? I know Darren's probably said it tons of times, but I really hope you take that to heart. Like, figure yeah. out what you can do where you're at. You don't have to necessarily go out above all your comfort levels but some of it yes and i just encourage you to step out into what god's doing and um get away from your kingdom yeah cool so it sounds like there's, there's a lot of a lot of generosity that you experience and that god's growing your heart for compassion and patience and love for these students that's good thank you thank you tyler
there's a common thread that I keep hearing in these stories over and over again is that people are using the spheres of influence God's already given them and they're finding ways to, to utilize that for the kingdom of God. And, and it's always a step outside of their comfort zone. It's always a step into kind of the unknown. Uh, and, and then they're always kind of met in the unknown. And, and, and typically they have their plans and then they get crushed and then they find that God's already doing something and moving. So I, I just, I've been reflecting on that as I keep hearing these stories. So um, we don't have a line. So we're either going to play Jeopardy music for an hour or we're going to get some skinny jeans on. Come on. Do we have something? Okay, cool. But I want to hear more of your stories. There's a lot of us here, and I know God's doing things. So. Absolutely, yeah. What's your name? I'm RJ. RJ. It's I, nice I'm to meet you. I'm not real good with this speak in front of people. and Shorts, that work? Yeah. He had shorts on. He was good. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to compact in my head how to say the story real short, so bear with me. I can't do the radio talk, you know, where that, that, that. <laughs> Um, I've been a Christian a long time, and I was raised in a very, very, very broken family. So for me, when I accepted Christ, it was kind of a an amazing thing because he got to be my father, you know, and he got to be my mother, and he got to help me through stuff. So you get to a place in your Christian walk where you think, well, I got this. You know, I figured it out. You go to church, you read, you pray. We're all good, right? Well, about three years ago, I had a, a decent job. I had a a fairly nice car, although I'm really not into the really pretty things. I, I had a nice car and I had a nice apartment and things were going okay. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm prayerful. I read and the whole bit. I collapsed at work and it was bad. I was very sick and I didn't know what, I mean, I knew part of what was wrong. I mean, anyone that would know my other, the rest of my testimony would know what was wrong, but I was really ill and ended up in the hospital. And the doctors are scrambling. It took them a year to figure out all of what was wrong with me. But to, to get rid of that part of the story, I was going to die. My doctor let me know after about three months. I had lost about 70 pounds. I went from 195 to 120 in four months. I couldn't eat. Nothing that went in stayed in. I shrank. And my doctor said, It's a lot easier telling him than it is to come up here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to live. You know, make your closures. Call your family. I got mad. Why would you do this to me? I'm one of your kids. I love you. What's happening? This isn't the time. I'm not supposed to go home. Why is this happening? And I got angry. Why did you do this to me? I'm one of the guys, right? I prayed and I started believing the whole thing, you know? I started giving my things away and pulling out my special Bibles to give my friends, you know, remember me. <laughs> my books that I've had, things that I've studied when I was in school, and you'll need this, you know? I prayed. I was angry. I was very angry. I went to sleep in my prayer. I had a dream. I won't tell the dream. It's too long. And it's not about the dream. But in the dream, I was told this. I love you. Stay close to me. If you yet believe, you will live. <laughs> and not die. Trust me. I got you.
I woke up weak. By that time, I couldn't walk, by the way. I shrank. I looked like a, one of the pictures you see of the Jewish concentration camps. I was like this. I couldn't walk. My eyes had changed. I couldn't read. My friends were afraid. Most of my friends disappeared. I didn't have any friends. All of a sudden, you start realizing who loves you. I had one friend who lived in Orange County where I was going to church. He would drive all the way out just to see me and pray with me. That's a friend. He gave me this psalm. I'll try to read the right part because it's really long. But I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplication. Because he is, can't see. Um, That's what the glasses are for. <laughs> He's inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me. The terrors of the grave came upon me, and I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully for, with you. For you have rescued my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. And I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. For at one time I believed what I said. I am greatly afflicted and I was in alarm. The rest of the psalm talks about why it's cool to praise God. So I could read that and it's good. It's one Psalm 116, uh, NASB. In that year, I got worse. After the vision, I got worse. They said, you're not going to live. But I held on to what he said. What he said right here, you will live and not die. I'm past the three minutes. I'm so sorry. You're doing good. But over the past three years, I've gotten stronger we found out what was wrong. I had to change my diet. I'm barely beginning to gain weight. I'm 150. Mm. I'm walking. My eyes changed back. My actually, my uh, optometrist said my eyes are better than they were before. <laughs> Which I went, okay, that's cool. I'm 45. They're supposed to kind of get worse, but yay, God. <laughs> I was not able to go to my church because it was in Orange County. I lost my car, my apartments, my stuff, my job. I work for a farmer's market now. I'm happy. I pray outside of the, my apartment in a little garden area, and I've been praying, Lord, give me a church, because all the churches I would visit in the area were kind of compromised. And I would pray and worship on Sunday. I came to deposit a check at the bank about a month and a half ago, the day that, uh, what's the older pastor's name? Bill. Bill was preaching on uh, suffering and affliction. Remember? I've been praying that night because I was going through some stuff. How do you deal with this, Lord? What do you deal with this? And he goes, I got you. And I kept saying, Lord, where do I go? I want to go to church. And he says, I'll take care of you in the garden. I was praying in the garden. So I went to deposit my check on Sunday, and I heard praise music as I was walking by. And I look over, and there's a sign. The Garden Church. God saved my life, and he brought me to the garden Welcome home. <laughs> that's, that's extremely powerful, too. Uh, I think Bill even mentioned that in that sermon, the ability to uh, pray the prayers that have been written for you in advance. To Jesus, even in his uh, weakest 
praise the Psalms, um, and that is just an incredible story. So thank you, RJ. Welcome home. So uh, anybody else uh, have a story or something to share? Otherwise, we can... Yes? No? Yeah? Okay. Come around. There's a lot of us. We'll do, we'll do one more, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump back into worship. So... This is Renaissance. I praise the Lord is what you said when I, I grew up in church, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I just wanted to, I was just really moved by that testimony, and like, um, my testimony is not as great, but like, you know, I, I feel, you know, I feel should always be aligned, so, you know, so I'll, um, my grandmother passed away a few weeks ago, and actually about a month ago now, and, um, she was 92, and she lived her life where every day, sorry, every day, she, I should know this, um, every day she would um, pray for, like, two hours, like, you know, and she was from Ethiopia, like, she didn't speak English, but, like, she'd wake up, and you need, she'd, you know, she'd pray for President Clinton, even though, like, he's not president anymore, but, because <laughs> that's how she got her green card, you know, she's like, you know, um, <laughs> I love this country, right? Um... But, um, but you know, I, 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 I've always kind of, like, wondered how it would impact me. And, like, I just wanted to say, like, since I've been going to the church here, like, a little, like, I guess a, like a year and a half or something like that, um, I've, I felt I've seen my life changed. I mean, I, I you know, um, and my grandmother, you know, I, I, you know, I suffer from depression. So, like, I, I didn't really, I didn't have any idea how this would affect me. So I was, like, I've just been amazed and I'm really grateful that, like, even though she passed away, before she passed away, when I had, to, I had to go to group therapy, and I was in group therapy with someone who had lost nine family members to violence, and um, her name her name was Kiki, but she was she would took her she took her record a recording, and I, I make music, so I love I was like wow she took a recording of her little niece who was like five or six who would memorize the the books of the Bible, and she was in a little song and she was singing it, and I was just like how are you? And she was just so joyful and so like you know happy. You know, I mean, like, she's from North Long Beach. I mean, she's like an OG, you know what I mean? Like, and for real. I mean, and, 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 um, and you know, but she, would, she just talked about God, how God, I said, how are you doing this? How are you maintaining? And she was like, you know, God is getting me through it. You know, and I, I had never met someone who reminded me of, Joe, like, Joe so much. But when I hear people who have testimonies that where God has brought them from a place where they were near death, or where they, you know, everyone was telling them, like, give up. Like, science is saying give up. Doctors are saying give up. Like, all rational thought says give up. Throw away your life. Or, you know, whatever. They know that God's voice speaks through and, and shines through clearly. I just wanted to give glory and honor to him for that. And I've, I've you know, I've, I don't know what kind of stages I'm in, or, you, know, you know, but, like, I didn't, I was at her funeral, and I was just amazed, like, this is the life of a good woman. And this is a life of someone who is, you know, although we have suffering and stuff like that, it's obvious to everyone around. People who, like, three different languages on another continent, three different languages were spoken during her funeral. Wow. And, and, and I'm just like, you know, God gives glory and honor to those who glorify and honor him. And I just want to take the time to do that right now. Cool. Thank you. I've always loved the, the power of a, a good story. I think stories, uh, and I think Jesus obviously caught on to this, invented it, um, but a story has the ability to just dig itself underneath your skin and travel with you wherever you go. And so every time he's asked questions or approached, he, he responds with a story. And then you look at the Old Testament, most of it is captured in, 
in narrative format or story format, and it just blows my mind. I love hearing these stories about what God's doing in the community, and I'm sure there's way more of you out there who have stories. Uh, I just want to encourage you to, to share more stories be, and get in a community group, and listen to each other's testimonies, see what God's up to and what he's doing, and uh, that would be great. So um, I just wanted to end with this. I'm going to invite Jamie and the team back up. Uh, every, uh, every first Sunday of the month, we like to take communion as a family. Um, and so that's why we have the tables up here in the front. But the, the s- communion starts in the Old Testament. It, it starts as the story of Passover. Are you good with this? It's kind of buzzing. Don't face the... Okay. Um, it, it starts in the Old Testament, the story of Passover. Many of you guys are familiar with it. But uh, the, the, the community of God or the people of God, the Israelites, are trapped in Egypt. They're, they're under oppression. And, and God sends Moses to save them, rescue them. And there's these ten plagues, and the last plague is the, the uh, God's going to come and kill the firstborns, which is really important in that culture. And he says to them, sacrifice the lamb, put the blood over your door, and the, the angel will pass over your door. And as you do that, prepare a meal, because when morning comes, you're going to need to kind of eat on the go. I'm going to be rescuing you, but it's going to be kind of a, uh, a, an urgent uh, exit for you. And so they prepare this meal, and, and they, they leave. And most of us know the story of the Red Seas parted. They're saved um, from Egypt. But that moment was so important to the nation of Israel that God instituted it as a meal and a festival that they would do every single year. And they would break the same kind of bread, and they would drink the same kind of drink, and they would share the story. But it wasn't a story about what happened back then. But it was a story to remind them right here, right now, that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is still the God that is rescuing them and keeping them afloat. It wasn't a, look what happened to our ancestors, but it's a, let's be reminded of what uh, he's doing right here, right now, in our very midst. And so they would break this bread and share this meal, and, uh, and that's the, the meal that Jesus picks up uh, at the Last Supper. It's the same bread, it's the same wine, and he puts new meaning to it. He's, he breaks the bread, and, he, and as he's looking at it, he says to his disciples, every time you find yourself around a dinner table, with other brothers and sisters. Break this bread and do it in remembrance of me. This is my body that has been broken for you. And every time you take this drink, this is my blood that has been shed for you. Drink it with your brothers and sisters in remembrance of me. And sometimes communion can become like a ritual. It can become uh, almost like its own institution. And, uh, and sometimes it just becomes something that we do on Sunday. But today I want to invite you into the story of communion since we're on the theme of sharing stories. I want you to take the bread and be reminded that Jesus didn't just die 2,000 years ago, but he, he died today. He's dying for you. He, that, 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 that good news that we hear about 2,000 years ago, it's still really, really good news. And so don't, do me a favor. Don't come to the table alone. Grab a brother or a sister or a complete stranger for all I care and gather around the table and take the bread and dip it into the juice and be reminded that the good news is still good. That, that the, the, the body and blood that was shed on the cross is, is one that brings hope and life and joy and beauty and salvation right here, right now, wherever you may find yourself. So Jamie and the team are going to uh, lead us in uh, a little bit of instrumental worship. I'm going to invite you guys to come on up to the front to do that. And uh, we'll go back out into the city that we love. Amen? Cool. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, thank you for these Sundays where we get to pause and be reminded that uh, we're not alone in the city. 
oftentimes I, uh, I feel that the things you're calling me to, uh, you're calling me to step outside of my comfort zones and, I, and I, I feel so alone. And I find myself in a gathering like this and I'm reminded that I have so many brothers and sisters who are there to support and love and who are going through the exact same things. Jesus, I pray that these testimonies would give you honor and glory and would bring encouragement to the body. May we be united around these stories for the weeks to come. And may we be encouraged to live out our own stories and the lives that we already live. We thank you for your communion. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we enter into this time being reminded of the story that we all get to share as believers. We pray this in your name, Father. Amen.